Hi, this is your host, Pete Bloom. Welcome to American Heroes Network. Our core mission is serving the brave men and women who have sacrificed to ensure our freedom. You will hear true stories from those that have served, learn about veteran organizations and resources, and gain hope for your future knowing American Heroes Network, your community, and other veterans are here and at the ready to serve and help you and your family. We will talk about the hard topics like PTSD and TBI. You will also hear military history, inspirational stories, learn about networking with the community, and more. So come join us and be part of our family. Today's guest is a retired Army combat veteran after 24 years of service. After his time in the service, he earned a master's degree in clinical medical health counseling to continue helping veterans and has received numerous mental health counseling awards for his work. He is the founder and CEO of Veterans Counseling Veterans. I would like to welcome Ellsworth Tony Williams. Tony, thank you for serving and how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing fine, Pete. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good myself. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I wanted to start out by saying that this topic is often one of the things that people don't like to talk about. Suicide's a huge issue, but I feel like without communication, there's not even any awareness. I feel like that you and I and everyone else and all the veterans that we're blessed with life and we're given that life and we need to remember that's one of our most precious gifts. So today what I'm really looking for is for you to help shine some light on the issue so we can gain some knowledge and awareness on what's being done and what else could be done. Let's do it. First, I wanted to let everybody get to know you a little bit. So I wanted to see if we could start out by you just talking about yourself and letting us know a little bit about you. I know you started out as enlisted and became an officer. So tell us about your military career. Yeah, and I want to take one step further because I think it really describes my DNA. So my dad, I grew up in the military. My dad was in the military 20 years. So that's all I knew. I mean, in fact, I was born in Fort Hood. So in the military, something I've been doing since forever until I retired. Like you said, I was in the military. I was enlisted. I actually dropped out of high school, joined the military. And one of the things the military did help me do is it helped me push me to get my GED. So I got my GED, then I got a year of college trying to compete for E5 and E6. And because of that, that gave me the opportunity to compete for a three-year ROTC activity scholarship. These are scholarships that the government provides, and they provide 50 of them for three years. So I applied for it, and I got three years. So I finished up, uh, went to uh, Temple University, and then I, I finished the rest of my career as a military intelligence officer. So in total, eight years enlisted and 16 commissioned. Wow, that's outstanding. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what you did while you were in the military. So like anybody else, you know, from eating nothing, I was in what was house called veterinary food inspector, which no one knew about what it was. But I, that's one thing I guess say about the crew, they gave me a good job. It was a great job. And so I went made up to staff sergeant. And when I got commissioned, I became a second lieutenant. Now, that's really different. Uh, when you go from a mission to a mission, I always say we're like bilingual. You can speak both enlisted and the commission side. But it's also a, it could be a hindrance because you think like enlisted. And there's been plenty of times when I've had to, when I was in the military and command and stuff, I'd have to sit there and talk to my soldiers like an enlisted person, but they weren't used to that because they always expect that to be from the first sergeant, sergeant major, not from a lieutenant, captain, whatever. So it gave me that insight. But at the same time, I gave them more responsibility. That's one thing I did as enlisted. I said, hey, if I got an E5, E6, you're going to earn that choice, and I'm not going to do it for you. So I made sure I gave them responsibility, took care of the family, and that kind of thing. That's one of the things that I did until I finally retired in 2007. Gotcha. So it sounds like you started taking care of people long before you got out. And that kind of explains and makes sense as to why you would have ended up doing what you're doing today. But I do want to get a little more into that. But first, I wanted to ask you, as you transitioned out of the military, was it difficult for you or was it easy? It was extraordinarily difficult for me because 
you know, one thing about the military is when you're in the military, and I went at 17, but I think when you go in at 17, it has more of a profound effect on you, is that they strip your individuality, which is like wax on the floor and taking off the dirt first, and they put on the collective part of you, like the Borg in Star Trek. Anybody knows about the Borg in Star Trek. <laughs> so, and they didn't reverse the process. So going from individual to collective, and then trying to transition from collective to individual was just not there. So it was very difficult for me. I married a um, police officer in New Jersey, which is about as close as you, I'm going to get to as far as somebody who, uh, you know, who understands that kind of thinking, that collective thinking. But it was difficult. I didn't know what I wanted to do. All I knew that I wanted to find a way to continue to take care of the soldiers and their families. At some point when you got out, I think you had mentioned this once before, but when you were trying to figure out what you wanted to do, didn't you also intern with the VA? To put a little light. So because my wife was in the police force and she was doing domestic violence, uh, at that time I was trying to decide I'm going to be a teacher. So counseling didn't come until I did that. I was part of the domestic violence response team. So that started the road to counseling. And I did my um, Troy University out in Florida, Orlando. And I actually competed to be an intern at the VA, which I got accepted at James A. Haley at VA as an internship. Well, I was the first of Troy University to be accepted by VA to be an intern. That really was the start, the beginning of my role when it comes to, you know, recognizing suicide and the impact with them on the families. Gotcha. And I don't know if it made a big difference, but you would think, you know, being with the VA and interning there, you kind of get like a, an inside look that not everybody gets to see. So you have some good perspective that will help with everything that you've done. And so you started a veterans counseling veterans. So tell me, why did you start that? Well, that really worked in the VA. So when I went there, and even true to this day, I would say a vast majority, 80 to 90 percent of the people who are in the VA who are mental health were not veterans. So when the difficult veterans came in, oftentimes we give them to me, a graduate, because they couldn't understand them. And I said, why can't we do this? You know, why can't we as a veteran do this? And that's where I came up with Veterans Council Veterans. It was us taking care of us. And it wasn't just a counseling for veterans, but I also wanted to create like an AIT for us where if you're in the uh, counseling field or you think about the counseling field, I wanted us to be together and network, collaborate, and mentor each other. So those were the main functions about when Veterans Council Veterans. A is for the AIT, if you will and B is for the veterans out there who needed our help. And now to jump into it a little bit, I want to get back to veterans counseling veterans, but I know that you say that veteran suicide is a national problem, but it has a local solution. And so with those two perspectives, a national and a local, do you even think the numbers are right? I mean, they say, you know, 22 a day commit suicide, but is it higher? Is it lower? I keep hearing that number is not even right. What is your perspective on that? I think there's one thing that frustrated me was that there's no accountability with reports that the VA put out. So that number they first came on 22 was really like, they wouldn't even accept it. If I use the same criteria that they'd use, they would not even accept it as a study. But because the VA produced it, no one questioned it. So no, the number's not even close because at that time, only like 15 of the 50 states even reported suicide and they didn't have a standardized way of reporting it. So it was very anecdotal. It wasn't measured. So the 22 by itself was not even the right number, just on the technical rigors that you have to have when you start producing numbers. And as you've seen within the last several years, it went from 22 to 20 to 17. So it's been wrong since then. I think you got to get it right. You've got to make sure that the VA is taking care of, you know, it's apples and oranges. So death, the VA is responsible for the veterans. But then by them soaking those numbers up, we don't get the truth for the active duty side of the house. So if they've been wrong this long, why was it just now, 10 years later, that we've now recognized that they've been wrong? Because no one gave them any accountability. No one said, let's make sure the numbers that you're producing are accurate. So that's my biggest frustration is that. 
And now on top of that, too, didn't they just recently do some kind of report that excludes like National Guard or reservists or something like that? Active duty. And so now that what scares me, too, is that so what the VA said, we don't count anybody active because they're not ours. So if you've been activated in the National Guard reserves, they don't count your numbers. So then I said, then what happens to those three? It's like they just disappear. And we don't even put DOD feet to the fire. So will DOD pick up those numbers if they're even right? That's the first thing. If they're even right. Or will all of a sudden now those who are in active duty reservists and National Guards, will they get lost because no one's picking them up now? And even though the numbers increase, you know, they say, well, the numbers decreased because they went to 17. Actually, we lost almost 60,000 veterans now for, for the whole decade. Just on suicide alone, my friend. Suicide alone. So the enemy who stopped firing many years ago has already taken out our soldiers and our airmen and sailors just for the suicide piece. Wow. So really, Tony, you don't have any number that you can provide because it's just the statistics aren't being collected properly. There's not really a good enough accountability for us to really know. And it doesn't even sound like there is one single organization that's counting all of the statistics from the different groups like active duty and veterans, correct? Yes. And that's a challenge because like active duty, we've had, McDill's have lots of suicides that are siloed you don't even know about because they use the old auspice Let's not talk to anybody because we want to protect our families. And it disappears. We don't even know the mechanism. You know, what's the mechanism if a soldier, sailor, airman dies of suicide? Who picks the body up? Is that our medical examiner? Who does all this stuff? I can tell you another thing. I'm hoping, I think, Florida Department of Veterans Affairs is doing something. Most state VAs they only do one thing, and that's claims. So if you're looking for accountability from the states, you can't find it because that's not their job. The FDVA, in our case, you know, I've talked to some people and they're actually going to, with Governor DeSantis and stuff, they're actually going to start identifying that they have responsibility of being the accountable and to be the ones that sit there and, and can identify the suicides that happen in the state. And then also take care of the families who lost a veteran suicide because it's still the state responsibility. So hopefully that's going to, in the near future, we'll have more accurate numbers. It's going to take legislation, which I'm going to advocate for, where the medical examiners in each county have somewhere on their documentation if it's a veteran or not. And then how do you report the suicides? You know, each county has their own medical examiner. So if the county, we're in Hillsborough, or if you're in Pinellas, or if you're in Orange County, whatever, check and see who has a documentation that identifies as a veteran or not, and then check and see the documentations about the suicide and who they're reporting it to. Right. That makes sense. And then hopefully, you know, if we can get some legislation going for that, then that can eventually go state to state. And we can actually get an accurate number and really know what's yes. going on. Back to veterans, counseling veterans. Tell me about your company's mission. What's your mission objective? What are your goals? Well, you know that we got an acronym. It's called TEAM. You know, being in the military, we got to have an acronym. <laughs> and it's emotional support, but it actually provides training, education, advocacy, and mentorship in the range of mental health. So those are our four things we go by, the team, the uh, training, and it'd be anything. In fact, we're going to do a really big uh, effort next year on military sexual trauma. We're going to do a lot of training. We're going to do a lot of advocating and that kind of stuff. So those are our four primary functions of veterans counseling veterans, but it includes a lot. I can tell you in the last three years, suicide prevention and suicide postvention and postvention, you don't hear much about. Because I've heard many people say, what is that? That's because if the VA don't talk about it, then we don't talk about it. But postvention is when that veteran does die by suicide and it's the effect of the whole family and not just the family, but the veterans too. I'll give you a prime example. Uh, you remember last week or two, you've heard a lot of the sailors dying from one ship? Yeah, last I had heard there was three from the same ship. Yeah, it's larger than that now. Last I saw it was five, and then you know, they keep finding it because now they know to look for it. And they, oh, let's look over here. And they start realizing, they start finding out, oh my gosh, suicide is a contagion. And we are so collective as a military. We learn to be collective. And that one colonel that died by suicide, Jim Turner, he went to the Bay of Pines and died by suicide. 
This guy was so well-respected by the community. I had people come to me that I didn't even know was talking about Colonel Turner. And so what kind of chilling effect does that have? It's to call it a contagion. So if I looks up to this colonel or this first sergeant or whatever, and he or she dies by suicide, all of a sudden now, it looks like a viable option for me. Because if he could do it, why not me? So it's also contagion that we got to, you just can't hide behind a suicide and forget it. And if you're like a lot of us, you get out, you lose sight of those people, and you don't know where they're at, but they know when somebody that's from their own unit died by suicide. And it just never stops unless we do something about it. So I'm really pushing suicide postvention as well as prevention, awareness you mentioned there, and finally intervention. See, whenever you hear about the suicide, you hear more about the awareness piece, but you don't hear much about the intervention piece. And what I don't like when it comes to intervention, I know I'm going to get people angry at me about saying this, but just think about it. Right now, if you go to anybody, congressmen, governors, whatever, and you know what they all say? Dial the crisis line if you're having a stress. Well, that makes no sense because I told you suicide is local. So if my house on fire, why am I calling a, a call center in New York to get my house done? It should be local, not national. It should be somebody who understands the whole layout and the culture of that community. And we have it here. We got two on one, which is another call center. They have one in Hillsborough and they got one in Pinellas. We're ahead in the schedule as far as Florida because we have at least a local agency that can handle calls that may be an indicator of suicide prevention and intervention. It makes a lot of sense to have things local. It's like you said, the example about the house on fire. But, you know, to me, it's like if a veteran is in distress and, you know, they're thinking about doing it right now, the response should be, well, they've actually called somebody. So now let's send somebody over there to talk to them. And you can only do that if you're local. Absolutely. You know, and in the military, right, the air can only do so much and artillery, right? At the end of the day, you still got to secure the terrain with boots on the ground. That's just the way it is. We need a response, which is what I'm advocating for also. We need a response, like a quick reaction force, if you will. And I'm not talking about the first responder, but it takes involves the whole community. So when a veteran is identified, that we can go out there and surround them with support and love and care instead of talking to somebody on the phone. And then what happens, I get all the time. I'm being called all the time on Facebook and stuff. I can't get a hold of them. Once that vet puts that phone down or turns it off, you can't do anything. That's where the local part comes in. You got to have somebody to dispatch them and you got to go out there and try to de-escalate the situation. Right now, the way national works is that they go straight to police, 911 and Vapor Act. And you saw the movie with uh, Rambo. They just call in the colonel. Yeah, everybody else, the police is all around. The gun's drawn. And they got surrounded as veterans. They, they don't know how to deal with. And what happens, you had that colonel come in. And that colonel was able to walk through the door and talk to that veteran and try to de-escalate the situation. That's what we can do as veterans is do the same thing. So at Veterans Counseling Veterans, your team actually does take time and talk to veterans, and, and you've actually done this here locally, right? Oh, yeah. And there's other groups because, again, I've always said, even as a counselors and stuff, everybody's credentialed and psychology and stuff, that the most effective interventionist and solution is the peer. And so I've partnered with or local organizations like Florida for Warriors. they got a tremendous network of peers. you got the RWB, the Mission Continues. you got all these guys out there, guys and ladies out there who are the ones, if they understand what to look for, they're the first ones that can sit there and be the first responders, if you will, when a veteran's in crisis. Unfortunately, the business model for a nonprofit is still the business model of a for-profit. That's just, we got to identify our enemies, identify our competitors, and we work in a silo. And you can't be effective with suicide prevention if you think you're the only answer for a particular problem. You have to involve everyone. Right. So what you're talking about there is actually something perfect to get into a little bit more because I know that you understand that the only way to do this is working together with others because exactly for what you just said is in order to reach all the veterans, in order to be able to get there to respond and actually make an impact and a difference, 
there's got to be somebody close. There's got to be somebody who understands. And with all these different organizations, there's bound to be one close by. And so you yourself, your team, you guys have actually been doing things to make a difference and, and getting involved and getting out there, talking to the community. And I like to talk about some of that. So you've had some events this year, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to hit them all here, but I know in May you had an event that was a suicide prevention slash postvention forum, right? Can you tell me about yes. that? What did you guys do? What did you cover? And that was the first step to where I eventually want to have, and I'm on in process right now. I knew that we had to be a coalition, right? Everybody, all hands on deck if you're in the Navy side of the house. And so I had this summit at uh, St. Pete College. And what I did was it comprised of three organizations, three panels. All had three panels. One was faith, faith-based organizations. Because it is, it's not for everybody, but it is a tremendous solution when it comes to veteran suicide. In fact, when it comes to faith-based, they're like the one of the few organizations that are there when it starts, like prevention, and they're there when it ends, when the veteran died by suicide. So they actually cover the whole gambit. Then there's mental health, and I have a lot of partnerships within the community for mental health communities. And then thirdly, the organizations, the organizations like 22 Nuns Keepers, Mission 22. I identified all these organizations that all come down, and each of them would talk about what they did. So we can at least know who's doing what. At the end, I had a drill, if you will, on how we can help each other. You know, what piece do you need? And the VA was there also. It was probably the first time an organization where I've actually had the Bay Pines VA was there. Both the chief of chaplain was there from Bay Pines and their suicide prevention coordinator. I had the suicide prevention coordinator team from James and Haley. I had the vet center there as well. So we had all three elements on this front of the federal side that were there that was part of this event. And again, this was the first step of identify who's doing something with, when it comes to suicide prevention. And then secondly, creating an organization, a coalition where you can start integrating everybody's sense of weaknesses. And what kind of feedback did you get out of that event? Did people go, wow, you know, I wasn't aware? What did they feel like from this event? Well, at this event, I actually had Congressman Chris was at the event. He's one of the speakers. I had County Commissioner Dave Eggers from Tennessee is there. And then the Florida Department of Affairs Chief of Staff, Al Carter, was there. So I had everything covered. I had the state, county, and federal there. And I tell you, the one that really shocked everybody there was the postvention. People didn't know about the people who were the ones that left behind. Because I had, where I opened it, because I wanted them to understand why they were there. So I had two of the mothers who helped out or part of my program who had lost their sons to suicide, in the case of their sons. And I had them explain to them what they went through and dehumanize their sons. It was more than just a veteran. This was their son. And there's nothing more tragic and painfully than your child dying by suicide. And then everybody was upset, but I'm saying, this is why you're here. I started off with that, and I said, this is why you're here. Because you don't get a chance to see that. You rarely see that on TV. The VA doesn't talk about it because the VA, they don't do post-pension. But I'm telling you, this is why you're here. And then that's got their attention. Organizations like SOF Missions, we're going to talk about doing some collaboration together. That an alternative. Um, I had Mission 22 there. I had a lots of organizations there, as well as mental health. So they were excited and they were hungry for it. But it's always about the follow-up, right? And that was the hardest part because when I did this, I didn't structure the um, nonprofit to really absorb this. And that's what I'm doing now. I'm actually reconfiguring my nonprofit so I can be the lead agency to keeping these guys together and do what we got to do to continue on the, the piece. So it was great. It put the coalition on the map and I'm excited about it. We're doing a lot of things. I had to grow my team so uh, that we can be out there outreach. Right now, as this part of this coalition there, Pete, we've contacted Bay Area lawyers. They're going to be part of it. Other organizations, uh, Veterans Treatment Corps and that kind of stuff. American Legion, I have both the 16th District Commander, that's Donna Pinellas. He's going to be on board with us as far as partnerships. And I also have the 8th District Commander, who's down there in Sarasota, Bradenton. They're going to be part of this. So it's growing. 
And as it grow, we got to start putting in different kinds of mechanisms to support this as it grows further and further. So I'm excited about this, Pete. As far as I know, there's other organizations out there that's trying to do this, right? But not here in Florida, where they're actually trying to create a coalition, an integrated piece. So I'm excited about our future. And FDVA, they know about this. So hopefully we'll get some support from those guys in the future. That's really outstanding. So another thing, you mentioned the Florida Department of Veteran Affairs, and I know that you've been involved in that pretty heavily. And I got involved too, except it's more on the transition side from the active duty military transitioning and trying to make that more successful, which, you know, if it's more successful on that end, maybe we'll get less bad things happening and people struggling and getting depressed and committing suicide on the other end. So we're trying to cover it from all angles, but I know you were there when it comes to the mental health and what needs to be done. And you were part of this whole effort that the Florida Department of Veteran Affairs has created called Forward March. So can you tell me about your involvement there and any outcome that you see happening through the Florida Department of Veteran Affairs? Well, and I'll tell you something, Pete, I was very excited about. I was invited by the um, president of the Florida Foundation, the Veterans Foundation, because I have, uh, you know, VCV, Veterans Council of Veterans, were expanding. So we're also out in Jacksonville, we're out in Orlando, and of course we're here in St. Pete and Hillsborough. So when the board march is really an effort for the Florida Department of Veterans Affairs to gather information and identify resources that are out there for the veterans. But what I brought to the table was a suicide, because even with all this going on, they didn't address suicide. And I said, I'm there for suicide. So I had to keep bringing that up. And again, I've already talked to a couple of um, people already, like Roy Clark and those guys who's for the uh, Veteran Department of Affairs. They're going to actually, what I've been told, they're going to have an actual position for suicide. Also, Pete, one thing I want to mention as well is that I'm also part of Hillsborough. Hillsborough County is part of the initiatives called the Marriage Challenge. But what it really is, is an initiative between the SAMHSA and the VA and the community to start addressing veteran suicide in the families. And I'm part of that. I'm actually the subcommittee chair for training. And so what I'm doing in that part, and I'm actually identifying all the training for suicide prevention and trying to find a way to bring it together collectively so we can start training more and more of our community when it comes to suicide prevention and identifying suicide. So just on the Florida Department of Veteran Affairs, I'm working with them as far as, I mean, working with them. They, They know about me. And then on the local level, I'm with the Hillsborough County Commission, which is chaired by um, Frank Strom, the uh, Director of uh, Veteran Affairs and Consumers Affairs. He's head of the organization, and we're doing that too. So VCV is aggressively, and again, because it is, we're also really part of the front of that when it comes to suicide prevention uh, in Florida. Awesome. Yeah, I've seen you everywhere, basically, all over social media, at events. I know how passionate you are, and I, I know how much Veterans Counseling Veterans is making an impact. That's really one of the reasons to have you speak about things because you're out there doing and you're everywhere. And so it just makes sense that, you know, you've got your finger on the pulse of what's going on and how to really help people. So that's what we need. So, Pete, I want to just bring us down to the where we're at now. In the last month and a half, Veterans Council of Veterans has supported six families who lost veterans to suicide. And one of them was right outside the base where a veteran airman, he died of suicide in the bathroom, killed himself in the bathroom. His 10-year-old son had to go up there and break the door down to witness this. And then they reached out to us, Florida Warriors. They reached out to us, and we got him a counselor and connected him with the counselor uh, right away. And then that's where TAPS, the Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors, uh, they came on board, and then they picked up the Because the son, he was just visiting his dad. He didn't live there. With TAPS, and they have a partnership given hour, they were able to provide counseling for the son right down there and where he lives at. And at the same time, there's another sergeant up there in Ocala, he died by suicide, and me and my program manager, Carolyn Razor, a retired sheriff captain, her son died by suicide two years ago, Marine Joseph Razor. 
And we went up there to the funeral and you may have saw some video. We did a small video of the taps because I'm trying to humanize this because this is not just a statistic. These are people behind this. When somebody died by suicide, it's like exposure of 135 people who are involved in it. And so we want to be there for that. So we were there for that. And we're also in contact with Colonel Green, ex-wife and his daughter. They're in uh, Pinellas and we've helped provide services for them as well. So again, it's, that's why I said the local part is very important because you have to be from there to really provide them this, this services of need. So I just want to bring that up to make sure that there is stuff going on right now that you don't even know about. And we need more of us involved, not just me. I've always said that this is something that when it comes to veteran suicide and postvention, it can't be monopolized, it can't be franchised, and it can't be nationalized. And that's the post reason that's why it's not working. The approach that we're using right now is that, you know, one agency want to do it all, or two, some national agency is headquarters in D.C. is trying to do something that's on Del Mavery Boulevard or Gandhi Boulevard. You can't do that. You got to start involving the community, which includes the VA has to start involving the community. And these national organizations need to involve the community in what you're trying to do instead of trying to do it with one or two people that's covering the whole state. That's just in the works. I had to make sure I mentioned that, Pete. I'm sorry. No, no, that's all right. I mean, you know, to bring in the awareness and humanizing things, I think is yeah. really important. I even saw last month that you posted some videos out there. You did a campaign for suicide prevention and postvention just to make people aware, to make people know people's names. It's real people. These people have families. Yes, sir. The awareness is great. And I think the way that it's getting communicated is important. And I, I do agree with you in the fact that it's not something that we can just sweep under the rug and pretend like it doesn't happen. That doesn't right. prevent anything. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about some of the issues with the current process. I mean, you touched on some things a little bit, but one thing that you keep bringing up is postvention. And yes. you explained that that's what happens after a veteran dies from committing suicide. What about that family? What about those children? So this seems like it's something that's not being addressed properly. Tell me about that. Yeah, and that's, that's exactly true. And, and that's the thing we're advocating now. Veterans Council of Veterans, we're advocating for this. And I'm going to be up there and go to Tallahassee and we're going to push, push, push because there's no support, Pete. You know, the one thing that's invisible is the veteran's family, right? You know, when you're on active duty, you get all the support. You get extra money for the family. Everybody gets covered by medical, all this stuff. And as soon as you get out, unless you retire, the family gets nothing, right? Nothing. So what's happened is that no one's talking about the family. And right now, the only element right now that takes care of any kind of veteran's family is the vet center. And you have to be combat. And they're so small, so they can't identify the resources. So my biggest passion is the families, who's taking care of the families, and the veterans, who knows that sergeant or airman or whatever died by suicide. So that's a big thing for me. I'm going to advocate because there's nothing. There's only one organization that does anything for postvention, and it's called TAPS. And they do a great job, but they're national. They need the local community involved in taking care of not just the postvention, but the prevention. Too. So I'm pushing that this year and next year. We're going to send a delegation out to the Tallahassee when all the politicians are there. And we're going to keep saying, what about the families? What about the families? What about the families? So talk a little bit more about that. I mean, we're talking about the families being impacted. It's already a veteran committing suicide. It's already happened. It's horrible. But their families, you know, their mother, their father, their wife, their children, what happens to them? Is there a process? You know, you said the VA doesn't do anything, but I mean, right. do they get benefits? Do they not get benefits? No. And Pete, that's the key because people get things conflated between what you do when you're in military, active duty, when you're a veteran. So when you're in active duty and you die by suicide, you get assigned a casualty team. It's called a casualty assistance team. We have one in McDill. And you are taken care of from beginning to end. There's somebody dedicated to you. You get a lot of money. All this stuff is done for you if you're on active duty. And you even qualify to be a gold star. But once you're not, then you no longer qualify for any of this stuff. 
So if you're a veteran, nobody qualifies to be a gold star mother, a blue star, whatever like that, because the only way you'd qualify for a gold star is if your son or daughter had to die in active duty. So that's one thing. You don't have no support in that area. Then there's no money, and there's nobody assigned to you. The VA, don't, they're through with you. Once the veteran's out of the picture, the VA's out of the picture. The only thing you come close to from VA benefits is maybe the burial piece. That's about it. And that's really not the burial, but the plot. But that's it. There's nothing. There's no emotional support. There's nothing. So you got to deal with the funeral arrangements. And you were trying to do this through this tragedy that you thought that when your son or your husband or wife came back from the war, that they were safe. And they weren't. And so you're just traumatized. So that's what we're trying to do. And like I said, what we do on the VCVN is that we try to identify the local resources that are part of it, like the legal, the uh, funerals, all those kind of people and say, hey, and we try to help the family out. You know, we're like that academy system officer, if you will. And if it goes into the counseling piece, we will provide counseling or we'll identify counseling for that grieving family. So again, it's a great effort on your team's part to, you know, help take care of the families as well as veterans and trying to help keep this from happening and to help people after that it does happen in the event that it does. So we talked about local efforts and, and things that are being done and what you're doing through the Florida Department of Veteran Affairs and things like that. Can you talk to me about any national efforts that you're aware of? Now, I know you say, you know, we need boots on the ground here, but I do think also we need more awareness at the national level. So do you know of any efforts in the system that are going on to help? Well, yeah, one thing that we're good at, I guess, the national-wise is awareness. There's a big push in the VA. I know we had a big controversy when the GAO did a report on the VA's uh, suicide program and found they didn't spend, they left $5 million on tap. So I'm hoping that that's being resolved. But the VA is putting a lot of money out there and the awareness and then trying to reach out to somebody saying there's somebody there. I think they got a program called the Be There. So nationally, they're trying to do that for the Be There. President Trump put out an executive order to try to look at all the stuff going on with suicide and find ways to see if nationally they can address it. I can tell you that the one organization is called AMVETS and they're trying to do stuff. They're like the biggest vocal people I can see nationally. When I look on my feeds and stuff, the one organization I see that's out there yelling about this and trying to do something about it is AMVETS with uh, Sherman Gullum and those guys and Joe Cheney. IAVA, they're more like the guys, people are saying, hey, there's a problem here. Hey, there's a problem here. You know how hard it is to get something done to Congress. And I tell you, Pete, last year I was there when Congress had their session and they wanted to address the suicide. And at that time, remember, we had a lot of suicides happening on the VA premise, right? Lots of, not just Colonel Turner died of suicide, another veteran at West Palm Beach died of suicide in the VA. But I can tell you that they're just not getting it. The Congress just isn't getting it. Suicide has become normalized. It's like, oh, hum, another vet dies, next story. And I don't know what we're going to do, if anything, to bring people back. But on a national level, like again, most of the organizations out there, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention is out there, the Action Alliance, they're out there nationally. Uh, again, TAPS is out there nationally. They try to assist in program for survivors. They're out there. And Independence Fund, they're out there. At least um, they're public gathering intel and data. But I don't know if the VA, and it has to be joint too. It has to be joint between the VA and DOD. I'm not sure if they created a committee on that. That's the first thing I look at. Well, if it's so important, then where's your committee? Who are the people in the committee to start really identifying what's working, what's not working? Right now, we're still doing the same thing. The same thing. I don't see anything different. That's why the results are still the same. You know, put some commercials out. Oh, I'm so sorry. And report it. That's it. That's about what I've seen so far on the national. It's just more campaigns out there and be there. I think also on the same time, Pete, that it's just not us. I mean, you can just look on a paper and it's not just veterans dying by suicide. It's, uh, you know, everybody. Every demographic, the numbers of suicides has increased. Every demographic. 
it's such a problem that people don't even know where to look, you know? When I went to this House committee meeting, everybody who's a Republican or Democrat was saying, yes, we gotta do something. So it's one thing that I see that galvanizes and unifies us when it comes to veterans with the uh, political parties. They're both trying to come together to, to help the veterans out and their families. And you know, what you just said, there was a point there that uh, something that I was actually thinking and you said it, but when it comes to veteran suicide, I was wondering if part of the problem is that they're just getting lost in a greater number because veterans are not the only ones committing suicide, which is what you just said. If there's so many people nationally of men, women, all races and everything like that, the veteran population is so small. Do you think that it's just being overlooked because it's such a problem with suicide even other than veterans? Again, the resources are thin. The challenge is also that because we're at 1%, that the community don't understand us. The people who are out there doing stuff on the national side of the house, you know, even NAMI, they don't understand us. So when they get $1,000, $999 is going to their community because they just don't understand the veteran community. And that's what I'm going to do with Veterans Council Veterans. We've got to go out there and start educating and being a resource for the community. Like DCV has a partnership with St. Pete College, and they have a grant for suicide, and we're part of that. We're taking care of the veterans, the post-prevention side of the house, and suicide prevention side. So they're trying. That's very important, as you said, Pete, is that because so many of us are doing it, they're just so focused on themselves that they're looking over us. And they think that we have the support, right? They're saying, well, why are we worried about them? They got everything, but we don't. So I think that's a part too. Right. It could be nationally that the way that it's looked at is that, oh, the military is probably taking care of that. Yeah, right. They got that. They got all the money. And I'll tell you something, you know, maybe there's some envy going on where they don't like that, you know? People die by suicide. And you saw in the paper, all these guys, celebrities and stuff, die by suicide. I think to the point now, they don't even mention it. I've seen about four or five celebrities just up and die. So they're doing the same thing. Hollywood's doing the same thing. You know those guys are dying left and right, but they never tell you how they die. They just say, oh, suddenly die. And one of the criticisms I have for the community out there, Pete, which is maybe unpopular, but somebody's got to say it. Veterans are naturally trained to be public servants, just like what you're doing right now. And many other people like yourself who are out there giving themselves to the community. But when you see people come out of it, no one's talking about public services, right? Everybody's talking about entrepreneurship own your own business, own your own business. And what that is, is that's an individual thing, right? Because you're basically telling somebody who's, who's learned to be collective and become an individual. But all these people I see out there getting all these awards and on the paper and functions, none of them talk about suicide. It's like, no, that's not my thing because it's too hard to talk about. I know personally, and you know people personally who know somebody in their family or somebody in their friends who died by suicide, but you never hear them talk about it. They'll talk more about whatever the entrepreneurship thing or new program or transitioning, but nobody says, oh, by the way. And that's what I want to change as best I can. I always, I ask, so what about the suicide? Let me say something really interesting about what you just said, because you've really just, you know, identified another problem. And I know a lot of people are aware of that this is a problem, but it's another one of those things that nothing's really being done about. And maybe nothing can be done about it because it's all perception really, but when it comes to things like social media, when it comes to things like you're talking about people start up a business and then it's all, you know, good for you, positive. And it's true. You know, if somebody gets out of the military and they do become successful, I'm happy for them because chances are veterans will help other veterans. They will mentor other veterans. They will hire other veterans. But yes, they're not addressing suicide because that's not their mission. And the fact that they're not talking about it is just a small part of the fact that no one is talking about it, which comes to social media, which is, you know, what I was starting to say is that what we see on social media, what we put on social media tends to most of the time be all of our happy moments. 
it's like, oh, here's a birthday, here's a party, here's a celebration, you know, here's a great job. People don't put their dirty laundry on social media. So the people that really are depressed, the people that really are having issues, they see all the happy people. They want to know why they're not one of the happy people. And it doesn't help lift them up. They accomplish it, but they're not happy. Right. And so when you get out there and you're putting things on there about this and you're making it more aware, I think that's the only thing that can be done to maybe solve that problem. So you're taking a great step to address the problem. But that is a huge problem in itself. You know, as depressed people with a problem, see everyone else is doing great. They're going on vacation. They bought a boat and it doesn't do any good for them. And I always said, you know, it's like people see, you know, oh, here comes Tony, the suicide guy. You know, I'm not the greatest conversation piece when they come bring me over. That's all they think when they see me. Here comes a suicide guy. <laughs> and these people know people who die by suicide. And what it should be on these organizations out there that are all out there. Remember how if you went to basic training, everybody learned certain skill set regardless of what your MOS was? That's what you got to do with suicide. It can't be, oh, that's Tony's problem. No, it should be everybody's problem that are trained in it, whatever. And that's what I'm doing with this coalition. I'm identifying the Chamber of Commerce people. I'm going to start in the transition side because it's an adjustment. When you get out of the military, you're going through an emotional adjustment, both you and the family. And if you don't do it right, you may sit there and start looking for the job. But if you're not taking care of the family, that can also come back and bite you in the butt. You're, all of a sudden, you're spending more hours away from home. And now that the family don't have support like they're having in the military. And now that causes stress on you. Or you get divorced. You know, how many people get out of the military? And they're getting divorced or they're losing custody of the kids, all that stuff. And that's why I think suicide, I don't know, maybe you can tell me if suicide is being addressed at the transition part and who's addressing it. It's as you're saying, organizations, businesses that are set to do something specific, like help someone find jobs Mm -hmm. or help them get mentoring, they don't address it because that's not their mission. So you're addressing it because it's your mission, but they're not. But I think when you have these coalitions and bring people together, then maybe they will start. I'm hoping so. That's my goal. So your next steps, we talked about a lot of stuff that's going on, a lot of the stuff that you've been doing. In your future, what are some of the things that you see that you want to do with veterans, counseling veterans to help the issues that we've talked about? So like I said before, we have a coalition. It's called Suncoast Veterans and Families Suicide Prevention Coalition. And it's going to address both the Pinellas side and the Hillsborough side. And, and I got some communication with people in Sarasota. So that's one of the things I'm really pushing for this year is to start getting more of the stakeholders involved, either by identifying resources for families or for being part of this. So what I want to do with that is if you're a legal person and you start noticing that here, this person is ready to lose custody or whatever, and you start noticing the stressing, then refer. You are the point of contact. So that's one thing I'm pushing this year. I'm identifying all the pieces. Once a month, we're going to have each element come in from Chamber of Commerce to Veterans Treatment Court to everybody, even you guys, transition, whatever, to come and talk about how can you help with the suicide. So that's one thing. Another thing I'm doing next year is military sexual trauma. I'm going to have a conference sometime in April. That's another piece, that, again, that people don't want to talk about, whatever, again, but it's happening. And that also can lead to suicide if you don't address it properly. So I'm going to do a conference on that next year. It's going to be very comprehensive where it's going to have uh, panels of family members who was part of a survivor. And it's going to have a male survivor and that kind of stuff as well. So the summit I did last year was so successful, we're going to start doing it annually. So we're looking out for that summer where everybody come together again to um, talk about what they're doing and what they need to do as far as collectively, not individually. We're going to do that. And we're going to Tallahassee. We're going to be up there knocking on the doors and saying, hey, we need your support. We need you to do something. Even if it's something simple as having the medical examiner have them put on the sheet, veteran. 
that's what you're going to see a lot of the Veterans Council veterans doing next year. And we're growing nationally, too. We're actually having a national footprint, which is interesting. So it looks like maybe next year we're going to be branching out to a couple of other states besides here in Florida. Well, that's outstanding. And you mentioned the TAPS organization a couple of times, them being national. I feel like that if Veterans Counseling Veterans did some sort of partnership with them, that then you could be the local boots on the ground for that organization. But I don't know how all that would work. I just think that, you know, with what you're doing and with postvention and being concerned about children and the other veterans, friends of the veteran who did commit suicide, around that whole thing, I know TAPS is one of the organizations that you said is yes. doing something. So I see a stronger relationship forming there. In fact, I got uh, notified by, uh, her name is Carla Strump Patton. She's a regional for TAPS. So uh, hopefully we get more of a relationship. We, right now it's kind of spotty. As they start seeing a value in us, I guess, then we can start getting more in that piece. Remember I said we shouldn't franchise it, monopolize it, or whatever, nationalize it. What I'm doing in St. Pete really cannot be replicated in Jacksonville. You guys still have the same principles. And so hopefully it's not Veterans Council of Veterans, you know, in Jacksonville. You're hoping it's somebody else, some Florida organization up there. Bruce Thomas has got a group over there, Vets for Warriors. But it needs to have a local flavor wherever you have. It should not basically be one organization trying to control the whole state of Florida. That won't work. Not for suicide. Well, I don't know. When it comes to that, I would have to say that what you're doing you're doing it well and you are localized and you've been making a big impact. So what's to say that can't be, you know, franchised in some way or another? I mean, really, if you can educate another group of individuals in another state and that group has the right mental counselors and all that kind of stuff, why not? Yeah, man. We'll see. We'll see. I hear you. I got you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, yeah, I get that a lot from my people. So, you know, hey, Tony, most of these things start off with something really tiny and local and whatever. And then you look up and it's big. But right now, I want it one veteran at a time, one community at a time for me. But yeah, this is a possibility. But when it happens, it'll happen. Right. I think that something like that, it, you know, would be possible and it would be good. And it would be effective if it was treated like chapters that yes. specifically had to take action in their local area. And that was their yes. responsibility. Absolutely. Because what I would do it is like the funds I get. And that's what a problem with the VA and stuff, too. Like, you know, the one of the problem with the VA and, and this is not a time to smash the VA, but I'm retired. And so I get a different benefits when it comes to medical that the VA is instead of them being a provider. Because when you're a provider, you automatically, everybody out there who does the same thing you do becomes a competitor. And so you notice most of the media out there is disparaging anybody else who's trying to do the same thing. They're not qualified. They're not good enough. They don't understand. But I think the best thing is for the VA, they don't like to hear this, but I'm just telling you that the VA should be like Medicare, TRICARE, and those guys, and become managers and let the community take care of the veteran. And you just got to make sure you hold the standard. But there's enough people out there in the community that can still take care of the veterans. You know, there's too many lobbyists and stuff out there that want to do a one-stop shop. I'm retired, and my benefit is TRICARE, and TRICARE is a manager. So that means if I want to get an x-ray, I don't have to go all the way to Blue Speed Downs just to get an x-ray. I can just go three miles, four miles from where I'm at and go get an x-ray. So I'm hoping that as time goes on, that the VA becomes more of a manager than just being a provider. Because being a provider is just not sustainable. That's another thing I'm seeing also, is that as this stuff gets more and more, VA got to keep growing, growing, growing. And when it should be a local thing. So anyway, that's what I'm hoping that national organizations out there, Wounded Warrior and all those guys there, you start pumping in the money. It's like the, the homeless part. See the, how we do with homeless? Homeless, all the money comes to a local area, and then they distribute the money. And that's the way it should be. Instead of you coming in, and it's your building, and your building is to the point, I can't even find parking, okay? If I go to the VA and boost me down, I'm losing gas just trying to find parking, you know? Right. That's how big it's getting. It's not sustainable. Right. Yeah, I understand. I understand. 
So look, we talked about your future, where you're headed, things that you want to get accomplished. So you have some great goals. So we'll be looking to see, you know, what you're going to be doing in 2020 and how things progress with you and Veterans Counseling Veterans. So what would you say is the key to success of Veterans Counseling Veterans? What do you need to be successful? I need, because I'm getting bigger. Yes, that's how it works. So it's like when you get your restaurant and you don't have enough parking space, you don't have enough people to sit there and um, provide it. So Veterans Council, we need more volunteers to be you know, looking at Veterans Council veterans. They can really have an impact. You know, Pete, we're always doing something. We're not just sitting around. You're actually impacted. So we need some more veterans. What I would like to be able to do is create another section on VCV as a peer thing where we can do training and have that kind of arm besides just credential counselors, but also peer. I think that's good that they work together. So we need more volunteers. When I formed Veterans Council veterans, I didn't do that as a business. So I didn't sit down you know, and create a business model and all this kind of stuff. But we got to start as a nonprofit identifying sponsors. One of the things, Pete, and this is very important about us as veterans, especially the longer you're in, the worse we have the skill set. We don't have the skill set of how to ask. I've never been taught in the military to ask anything. But to be a nonprofit, you got to be good in asking. Or if you're not, then you got to hire somebody that's good in asking. <laughs> so that's been my biggest downfall. I didn't come in this thing to be paid or anything. But as you get bigger, you're going to need money to sustain the growth and that kind of stuff. So we definitely be tied into the sponsors and partnerships. I think if we do that, I think that we can, we can really take off next year in 2020. Now, I understand that wholeheartedly, Tony, because basically <laughs> what you're doing is the same thing I'm doing. Yep. This podcast, it's volunteer. <laughs> I'm doing it because I want to help other veterans and I'm trying to get the message out there about things that are really important for other people to know and for people to understand. And veteran suicide is just something that people talk about, but they don't really get it. They don't really know what's going on. And that's why it was so important to talk about this today. I think you appreciate it. Absolutely. And before we end this, I'd like one more thing. You had thrown something at me that I thought was very interesting. So I'd like you to just share it with everybody. Can you just mention your Walmart scenario? Because that was so powerful when you told me about it. So, yes, thank you. Cohen Veterans Network, they're a new mental health for veterans and families. They just opened their clinic in Brandon, and I was part of the panel, and somebody asked me a question. And I said, the problem we have is everybody wants to, like the one guy standing up talking about PTSD. I said, the problem is that everybody wants to be the answer, and a lot of times the answer doesn't really address the person's problem. I said, what we need is, and I've asked Mission United forever and a day to do this. We need somebody to be the Publix or the Walmart. And then when the customer comes in, they go where they need to go versus me saying PTSD. Because if you're driving down the street, right, and you're looking for somebody for your problem, and all you see is PTSD force, you keep driving past them. So what we need is that person comes to the store, and they may have a marital problem. So they go to the marital aisle, aisle eight, there's a marital problem, or a legal problem, or I lost my job, or I need mental health. And that way, the customer then decides where they need to go, instead of you just trying to make them like something that's not applicable. So I'm hoping that somebody, and maybe that's FDVA, where they're the Walmart, and then if there's four or five of us in that aisle, well, then the best product wins, right? It's the best free market. So if there's four or five mental health places, then the person look at it and says, oh, that's going to my problem right there. And they go to that one. So that's where I think the solution is when it comes to suicide is not just having one solution and that's it. Because PTSD is not, the, I think it's like less than 10% of people who are diagnosed PTSD die by suicide. The number one and two is like depression and substance abuse. But I rarely hear anybody saying, I got the substance abuse problem or I got this one. Nope, they always talk about PTSD. In that case, and why all the other people who are not part of the military, why are they dying by suicide if it's just PTSD? Right. That really explains it pretty well. And so if somebody has the right options available, the right yes. aisles, then mm -hmm. people can get the help that they need. Yes. Roger that. 
and I want to mention one thing that may be controversial too. Another thing that's controversial, Pete, is everybody keeps saying guns, 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 guns. Restrict the guns, restrict the guns, restrict the guns. Do you know that the United States is named the top five countries out there with suicide? One of them is, I think, top three is like South Korea. Do you know what the number one method of dying by suicide in South Korea is? Poison. Poison. Wow. Yes. People were saying, gun, gun, gun. No, because you're just treating the symptom, not the problem. If you want to die, you're going to find a way to die. So saying I'll lock up his gun and put the gun lock on and stuff, that's a temporary thing, whatever. But I'm just telling you, if that person is having problems, they think that death is the way to go, then you know what? Take a look at the rest of the world and see how they're dying. We as the United States of America, we're not in the top 10 when it comes to dying by suicide. And then look at that and see what they're dying by. And then you understand why gun is not the only answer or the answer. It's a temporary thing. Look it up. It's in the World Health Organization. They have to go in there and Google top 10 countries for suicide and then go in there and, and look the top three and then go see how they're dying. And you're going to see it's not by guns. Right. That's a really good point too. And again, if we can be preventative and we can help people by providing them with what they need, maybe we don't even have to get there, right? Yes, absolutely. Now, go to where the problem is. Like I said, if you're having custody problems or whatever with your child, if you have a counselor who can sit and refer you or something or whatever, I think you'll stop it right there. But if you just let it go and thinking the only person got to care about that is me, you know, veterans, counselor, veteran, then, you know, that's not going to work. It needs to be all of us involved. It's like when we do a police call and when we do a police call, we almost go shoulder to shoulder, right? Right. Yeah. If you shoulder to shoulder. Guess what? You're going to find that cigarette butt. So we got to start being shoulder to shoulder doing a police call when it comes to identifying somebody who may have problems more of that part than just, I got the answer. Everybody come to me. Yeah, well said. And again, you just reiterated that for us to do that, for us to be shoulder to shoulder, we got to be local. Cool. <laughs> exactly. So Tony, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on today. I think the information has been super valuable. I think you've raised awareness and hopefully we can get this message out to the people that it's really going to impact their lives and maybe give them an idea of who to talk to. You mentioned a lot of organizations, so they realize that there is somebody out there and there is a way that they can go besides having to contemplate suicide. I thank you for your time today. And if people do want to reach out to you and talk to you or ask you questions about anything that you said today, what's the best way that they can contact you? Well, we have a website, so it's uh, vets. That's V-E-T-S, with as Essence is Sam, counselingvets.org. That's one way of doing it. Facebook, I have a group. In fact, I have a Facebook group of almost 500 members who are all veterans or spouses of veterans in the mental profession. So we got that as well. But the number one way is by contacting me on my Facebook or my uh, website. Okay, that sounds great. And I will put the links to those things in the episode show notes so that they can actually... After they hear this, they can go look at the show notes. They can click on the link to get to your Facebook and they can you know, reach out to you that way if they want to. So thank you again for today. And I look forward to hearing more about your success in the future. Thanks, Pete. Yours too. In this episode with Tony, we talked about suicide awareness, suicide prevention, and suicide postvention. Some of the organizations that we talked about today are Florida for Warriors, Team Red, White, and Blue, Mission Continues, 22 Until None, Mission 22, SOF Missions, Veterans Alternative, Veterans Treatment Court, TAPS, the VA's Be There program, the Florida Department of Veteran Affairs Forward March program, AMVETS, the IAVA, Independence Fund, the Suncoast Veterans and Families Suicide Prevention Coalition, and Wounded Warrior Project. You can find these organizations in the show notes so that you can click on the link and go check it out for yourself and find the help that you or your family or another veteran that you know needs. 
Hope you've enjoyed this episode. Be sure to keep coming back each week for more great episodes. If you want to talk about something you learned today, if you have questions, or if you would like to be a guest on our podcast, go to AmericanHeroesNetwork.com and click on Contact Us. Thank you for listening.